and they prayed for me. And as they were praying for me, Todd, I saw things shifting around in my mind, just shifting, man. And um, I told my wife, Stephanie, I said, something just happened. Something's different. I don't understand, but something's different. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, have a look at every disciple sent on Facebook and Instagram to see how God is moving in Canada. And also follow us along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. My guest today is an originally from just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. He's currently living in the Portland, Vancouver area. He served as an outreach pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California. He's written multiple books, including A Practical Guide to Evangelism, Power of the Presence, Compassion to Action, and Faith That Sees. He is the founder of the ministry, Compassion to Action. Please welcome Chris Overstreet. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, welcome to the show, man. I really appreciate your time. I know you're uh, you're busy. You're traveling around right now. Whereabouts are you right now? I'm in Dallas, Texas. And so did you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, did you have an event just now in Tennessee, in Nashville or somewhere down there? So uh, about three weeks ago, we were in Nashville with our gospel truck. It's our mobile stage unit. And then uh, last weekend, I was in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was doing training and equipping at an incredible church out there. And um, so that's that's what I was doing in Memphis, Tennessee. We saw 150 people descending on the streets, preaching the gospel. It was incredible. And tons of people getting saved, healed, and delivered. That's great. That's very, uh, that's very awesome. Uh, our ministry was just in the East coast of Canada. I think our, our ministries are similar in that training equipping going out. And so we just had a blast out in New Brunswick, Canada. Um, but Chris, man, I really like to, to hear your, your history. So, um, can you tell us that, um, you know, how you grew up, if you grew up in a faith background or whatever, and I know that, um, you know, in your testimony there, you, you did some time. Can you just tell us your faith background, what led up to that and what transpired at that point in your life? Yeah, Todd, you know, I had incredible parents, man. I had some great parents, not perfect parents, but I had great parents, was raised in a Christian home. I can I can tell you that just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, kind of like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I started getting in trouble a lot when I was a young, a young child. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I, you know, I went to jail a few different times when I was uh, a teenager. And uh, but when I was 18, I had a um, I had an epiphany with the grace of God. I was in St. Charles County Jail and um, there was someone there named Mike. So out of 12 cell blocks, I ended up in the same cell block as a gentleman named Mike that I knew three years prior back. And he began to share Jesus with me. And I didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. And uh, but but the second day when I was in there. You know, see that night when I began to sleep, it was like I was the Holy Spirit was just doing something inside of me. And I woke up the next morning with the three things that I was completely aware of. Number one, Jesus is the son of God died on the cross, rose again the third day. Number two, I'm a sinner and I'm on my way to hell. Number three, I don't have to go to hell because Jesus paid for my sin. All I need to do is humble myself, repent and come to him. I went to Mike. I said, Mike, can I borrow a Bible? 
And Mike was so excited because Mike would pray. That's what he would do all day is he would pray. And, you know, there's a lower level and a top level in this cell block. And Mike would walk back and forth, just praying, just praying. I knew he was praying for my soul. And so I got that Bible. I went on my, I went into my cell, got on my knees and I could literally feel the tangible presence of God. As I begin to repent of my sins, I felt the love of God come around me. And I said, Lord, please forgive me. If you get me out of jail, I promise I'll preach the gospel. And uh, the next day I got out. And so I got out of jail. It was awesome. And for six months, Todd, I was going strong for the Lord, man. I was living for the Lord. I was all in, but I had this syndrome called the fear of man. I still dealt with the fear of man up until that point. And I had a friend that invited me to a party. And to be honest with you, I went to that party to share Jesus with people. And while I was there, Todd, someone said, what happened to you, man? Used to be the life of the party. And uh, they said, man, have a drink. I said, no, I'm good. And they said, no, have a drink. I said, I'm good. After around the fourth time of them just badgering me and making fun of me, I compromised. I cared more about what they thought than what God thought. I took a drink and that led to another drink that led to another drink. And then next thing I know, Todd, I'm drinking and driving that night with a friend of mine. I end up at Waffle House at 3 a.m. in the morning. 3 a.m. in the morning, and um, the waitress comes over and says, uh, what would you like to have to eat? And I said, do you know what I did tonight? I slapped Jesus in his face. And so I lived with guilt and shame for a time, and uh, I started drinking again. And But I had my younger brother um, shortly after that, about a year after that, I was covered in guilt, covered in shame. My younger brother invited me to a tent revival meeting outside of Old Fallon, Missouri, in Saint, outside of uh, Old Fallon, Missouri. And I went there, Todd, and I don't remember what the preacher was preaching, but I felt the same presence that was in my cell under that tent. And the Lord spoke to me and says, I've called you to be an evangelist. And will you take that call? He was pleading with me to take that call. He said, I'll give it to somebody else if you don't want it. Um, but I felt the fear of the Lord in that tent, Todd. And I ran forward. I got on my knees. I began to weep and cry. I said, please, Lord, if I, if I, if I never have a friend again, I will follow you and I will serve you and I will preach this gospel. And uh, I left that tent. I told my friend, um, Jason, who was with me, I said, Jason, we can't hang out anymore. I can't hang out with any of you guys anymore. It's not because I don't care about you guys, but the reality is that I'm not strong enough to hang out with you guys. I need to seek God with all of my heart. And shortly after that, I went to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and that's where I met Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin at Bethel Church. And Chris prophesied over me, said I'd be an evangelist uh, with miracle signs and wonders following my life. And uh, and that's that's what happened. You know, that's what happened in the St. Charles County Jail that led me unto the tent. But it started in the St. Charles County Jail cell and uh, that that uh, impacted my life. That's, that's, that's an incredible story. And so it's like you started to move in the Lord and the enemy wanted to take you out, filling you with that guilt and shame, right? Which we know is not the truth. So, which you obviously discovered in that tent. So, wow. Um, so you meet Bill and, and, um, and Chris, uh, uh, so what, what, how, how did you, so we prophesied over you. So how did you actually get connected with them? Because you were an outreach, um, pastor right with Bethel so how did that absolutely so how did yeah. that work okay so 
So little did I know that Chris Valentin, when I was at YWAM, spoke to the leaders. Now, mind you, when I was in YWAM, I loved the Lord, but I had some major character flaws, Todd. And what I mean by that is I did what I wanted to do as a young man. I didn't listen to leadership. And I had some, I had some leadership issues and, uh, and their character issues. I would skip out on work duties. And while everyone else is working, you know, at uh, YWAM, I'm swimming. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world are these guys working for free? They should be paying us to do this. This was my mentality. And the leaders came to Chris and said, what are we going to do with this guy? You know, he doesn't listen to any of us. You know, uh, what are we going to do? And this is what Chris said. Graduate him. We'll take him on. Now, I didn't know that Chris told him that. So I went back home to St. Louis after my DTS. And by the way, I had repented in my DTS. I went to my leaders uh, probably about a month before graduation. And I said, guys, I am so sorry the way that I've treated you guys. I have dishonored you. I am not honored God. And, um, and I am sorry. Please forgive me. God had changed my heart the last month when I was in YWAM. So I go back home to St. Louis, Missouri. And, um, and so I'm, I'm working a few different jobs. And I'm seeking the Lord. I said, God, what do you want to do with my life? Like, I'm, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? One night I have a dream and I hear the audible voice of the Lord. And I wish I could say, Todd, that it, this happened all the time, only one time. And the Lord spoke to me in, in audibly and he said, you will be moving. So I was waking up around, I woke up around 3, 3.30 in the night and the Lord spoke to me audibly, you will be moving. But he didn't tell me where I was moving. So I began to seek the Lord for about a month and a half on and off. I said, God, you spoke to me. Where am I moving? Where am I going? What do you want me to do? This is what he spoke to me, Todd. He said, move to Redding, California. Go to the school of ministry. It's time for you to get equipped for what I have for you to do in your future. And so I I went there in 2000. And I spent 18 years there getting trained and equipped. 15 of those years, I was on staff. I was the outreach director for the school. And then I was the outreach director for the church. And those 18 years changed and transformed my life. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now had it not been for Bill and Chris in those early years that I spent at Bethel. So uh, can you share a story? Share when you your first, if you can remember your first miracle that you saw of a healing or something that you saw in outreach, either as a student, well, I'd say first, but can you just share a story either as a student or as a, a staff member of something incredible you saw during outreach? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many. Um, what I remember as a first year school of ministry student is um, seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Todd, I have to I have to be honest with you. I would I would pray for a lot of people just based around the word. You know, the, the believers would lay their hands on the sick and they recover. But I didn't see like instantaneous miracles take place until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I was studying um revival. I was studying different moves of revival. And um, and this was when I was a first year school of ministry student. I was studying about the Welsh revival. I was studying about Zuzo. I was studying just about revival and revivalists that God God used different people. And I noticed a, a continual theme, Todd, that most of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And, and I looked at my life and I did an evaluation, Todd. And I, and I said, Lord, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm hungry. I, I don't even know what it looks like. I just want more of you. And I know that there's more. And so I began to read, you know, Acts chapter 1 and 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And I said, God, I'm witnessing, but I'm not seeing the breakthrough. I know that there is more. And I remember being in um, school of ministry my first year, and um, Bill talked about revival, and he began to pray for people. And I said, Lord, I've got to have an encounter with you. I've got to experience your power. I stood there. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to leave this place unless you touch my life. I've got to experience what I'm reading about. I'm hungry for it. And then suddenly I felt the electricity of heaven move and pulsate through my whole being. And while this was happening, Todd, I knew that I was being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's like I, I had no control over my hands. It was like this electricity pulsating through my whole being. It was like power began to pulsate through my whole inner being. It was, it was something I can't necessarily explain other than this liquid love came all through my being. And I was lit up, man. And that lasted around 20 minutes. And after that encounter, I said, I know that my life is going to be different now. And I told a few friends, I said, I've got to go out and share the gospel. But I knew I was sharing it different this time. I was sharing it with the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we went to the mall, a friend of mine, we went to the mall. And, um, and while we were at the mall, a friend of mine had a vision of someone that we would meet with the white tank top on. Sure, surely about five minutes after that. I mean, I'm stunned. We see someone that has a white tank top on and it's a young, it's a young teenager. She's around 16 years old and she's with her mom and dad and she's Olympian and uh, she has a sport, jer- a sports jersey on. She had just gotten injured in a sports accident. And so I said, that's her. And so uh, we go over there. I introduced myself. I said, um, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. I asked the parents, is it okay? They said, yes. I lay my hands on her ankle, Todd. And as I laid my hands on her ankle, man, the fire of God came on her. She was instantly healed. She began to weep and cry under the power of God. And she said, mom, dad, all the pain is gone. All the pain is gone. I'm not kidding you, mom. All the pain is gone. And I begin to get so excited because like, man, something has happened here. I walk around the corner. There was like this little uh, bar by this mall. And I walk around the corner and someone comes out of the uh, out of the bar. And I just start preaching the gospel to him on how he needs to surrender his life to the Lord. And conviction came upon him, Todd. And he had walked with the Lord at one time. And he was away from the Lord. And this conviction, I said, man, are you ready to surrender? And he said, yes. And so we pray right there. And I said, my gosh, this is different from trying to do something in my strength. This is the Holy Spirit moving through my life. And, and so that was the beginning, Todd, of how it started. Chris, I, that's so powerful. I almost need to take a breath. Oh, man, I would love to hear so many stories. That's so, it is so true that there is something, something does shift. I've heard so many stories of that, too, of where people have, you know, prayed and not seen something. And then there is a, a tangible shift and actually have a very a similar story of, of encounter with the Holy Spirit that shifted everything in my life, too. Um, 
And so, uh, wow, 15 years, eh? So there must be just millions and millions of stories of, because of, after that, and after yeah. that, you, you would have, when you came on staff, were you an outreach leader from the beginning or did you, you must have had multiple roles or? Yeah, I had multiple roles. Uh, so my role was I was a revival group leader. And at the same time, I was leading the outreaches um, that were taking place as well for the school. And so that that was my role. And then I also had uh, opportunities to to lead uh, mission trips. So for for listeners that might not be familiar with Bethel and how it works, how would that school work? Like, like just real quick, how would that school work in the sense of you go to the school? How long does it last? And, and what so is the structure a, like? Nine, yeah, it's a nine-month school and um, starts from uh, the end of August and to goes to May. And um, so the school, there's training and equipping involved. But I want to tell you, uh, Todd, I, I haven't been in the environment, the school environment, the behind the scenes. So the structure is way different from when I was a revival pastor. So it's way different. I mean, we would have training and equipping and then we would do um, different outreaches, but it was different. I mean, we're talking like 85 students at the time, you know, when I was in school. And um, so the structure has definitely changed a lot. Now there's, you know, um, 1,500, a couple thousand people in all three years. So um, the structure has definitely changed. But when you were there, you would do training, equipping, do outreach, and then would you would you do a, a mission trip, or would you go somewhere as as part yeah, of that we program? Would have outreach every week, so we would have training, equipping, and then we would send people out into the streets, and we create a lot of different outreaches uh, for students to give them opportunity. And um, but there was always training, equipping, and then sending. That's awesome. So. Uh, you've written a couple of books. It always amazes me when people are as busy and and doing as much as as yourself and others, and yet still have time to uh, write a book. Because I find, I mean, other than scripture, I don't seem to have time to read any books, (laughs) let alone write some. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of these, some of these books that you've written or or what, what sort of inspired you to write them? And yeah, well, what inspired me is, you know, I heard someone speak and um, and I was just ignited like, hey, you know what, I-, I need to write. I've got a message. I need to get it out. I want to help people. I want to train people. I want to equip people. And but I had a disempowering belief, um, Todd, and that is I can't. I had a disempowering belief that says you don't have enough time. Um, I had a disempowering belief that said um, you have a learning disability. Because I grew up with a learning disability. I was in special ed um, my whole childhood, all the way up into high school. Um, I had dyslexia. I mean, my greatest fear was communication growing up. I, I just I did not want to be a part of that. I mean, I, I felt so um, inadequate. I felt like I didn't have what it took. And so the Lord began to first confront me with truth. And I remember when I was in Michigan in 2009 and uh, um, someone said to me, uh, Chris, can I pray for your mind? Can I pray for you? And I think they recognized that I would struggle reading. And, uh, and they came up to me after the service and they prayed for me. And as they were praying for me, Todd, I saw things shifting around in my mind, just shifting, man. And um, I told my wife, Stephanie, I said, something just happened something's different. I don't understand, but something's different. When we flew back um, from Michigan to Redding, California, where we lived at the time, I read for four hours nonstop. That 
was a miracle. That was a miracle because my attention span, I just, I just couldn't do that. I mean, um, but that, that was a miracle. And then I began to, to write. I just began to write and God just began to put things in place. The first book that I wrote was a practical guide to evangelism um, supernaturally. And then I wrote um, a book called Compassion to Action, which is funny because I didn't even know what to call our ministry. And someone said, why don't you, why don't you just call it what really what you wrote about and who you really are? It's Compassion to Action. And um, and then I've written um, Faith That Sees. I've written um, a children's book called uh, Jesus Adventures. And uh, I've written um, a, 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 some book, a book that we're revitalizing right now called The Jesus Disciple. And then I, work, I, I wrote uh, World Changers and that I wrote um, The Bamboo Farmer. Now, let me just say something about some of the books, Todd. Some of the books you can't even purchase. The reason why is because some of these books are personal books for people. Like, for example, I wrote a book to Bill Johnson called The Bamboo Farmer. And it's a whole book. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book. I mean, it's, 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 it's like a cover, everything. And the reason why I wrote him a book is because what could I give a man possibly that impacted the course of my life. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need um, other gifts. I've already given him gifts in the past. He doesn't need that. What can I give Bill to show him that I appreciate him so much as a spiritual father in my life that impacted the course of my life? I'm going to write him a book. And I'm going to tell him that he's the ultimate bamboo farmer for me. And uh, as you sow bamboo, you don't see the fruit of bamboo until like five, five, six, seven years. And then suddenly, boom, it shoots up. I says, Bill, that's what you've done in my life. You, you, you sowed into me and you've done it to so many other people's lives. And then there's a suddenly. So that's how I started writing is I had conviction and I had the I had faith just come upon me. And then I stopped for a bit, to be honest with you, Todd. Um, and just recently, I picked it up. I, I picked it back up. I'm in the process of writing a book right now, and I'm very excited about it. My, my manuscript will be done on December 5th. What uh, that's a very honorable thing to do to to write a book for somebody like that and and to just you know far beyond a letter, but a book just really pouring out your heart for what they did. That's really very honorable. Yeah. Um, Chris, what, what, what shifted, well, not what shifted, but, uh, God obviously had a plan for you to be, to, to move on from Bethel after serving there for so long. So can you uh, take us through that? What, what happened, uh, there with your movement and, and was that the birth of compassion to action, the ministry or. Yeah. You know, Todd, that's a great question. And you know, when, when people don't know, they just assume, um, but I can tell you this, God can use your pain to get you in purpose. He can use your pain to get you in purpose. My wife and I, we had a, our beautiful little girl, um, Brielle, in 2015. And my wife had severe postpartum depression. It was, it was bad. It was extremely bad. Um, she was, she had suicidal thoughts. She just, it was just, she, she's just, it was really bad, Todd. And, um, and she began to express a desire to be in the Northwest. That's where she's from originally. And that's where we're at right now. And so I, 
I didn't want to go to the Northwest. I had, I had certain things that, that I felt like I was going to do in Reading and, but my wife um, just shared her heart. And so I remember coming home one day and saying, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand what is going on. Why is it that I've prayed for so many people and they've gotten better, but, but my own wife, I haven't seen her get better. And you can imagine the guilt, the shame that I felt, you know, you can, you can imagine like, Hey, Chris, your own wife is suffering and you, you're not able to, to fix it. And I'm, I'm trying to fix everything. And that's, that was the problem. I didn't know that I had control issues, Todd. And, um, and I remember going into our room and I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I surrender all to you. I surrender. And I give you my role. I give you everything. I, I give you my finances. I surrender all. And it was there that I just said, okay, we're going to move to the Northwest. If I need to um, work a nine to five job to work a nine to five job to take care of my family, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, her parents are in the Northwest and she wanted to be closer to family. I said, okay, um, you know, our family is the, uh, is the first priority. I trust God to do the rest. And so we, we started the journey. You know, Compassion Action wasn't even existing until six months later. Six months later, God gave me a vision um, when I was in Stockholm, Sweden, helping somebody else's event. And God showed me him moving um, across America. And, um, and then I knew that I was supposed to, to get our nonprofit up and going and that we were to, to have a ministry. And, and, you know, someone said, what are you going to call it? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, what about compassion action? You wrote a book about it. Why don't you do that? And so that's how we started. And then shortly after that, you know, we, we moved um, to the Northwest. We had a time that we set up leadership and structure, but the crazy thing is once we started setting things up, my wife was better. She was all better. I mean, she got well, man. After I surrendered, she got well, but it was too late. God had already built himself. It was too late to backpedal. It was God using the pain. Didn't cause it, but he used the pain to get in purpose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, that's very, very interesting. I'm really actually glad that you brought that up because that's a big question with people, right? Where there's all kinds of stories of healing and then there's stories of not and people always ask it's almost as if people focus on the why on the why not this one as opposed to all the others yeah and there's a deeper and it's for his glory right and there's obviously a, a deeper uh meaning behind it and so it's, it's interesting too because as a man with a family you always want to fix everything and sometimes we can't mm-hmm. um and and so it's really good. You surrender. It's that constant surrender eh, throughout our lives. Hey, of, of surrendering really to him, is. to the greatest gift that he gave you, which really is well, other than your salvation is your wife and your, your child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surrender so, to that. It's that continual surrender that, that the Lord, the Lord looks for, which yeah. is worship. Yeah. yeah. So, so compassion to action starts and, um, and praise God, your wife's better and close to family. Yeah. And she's got a business now. Now she's she's helping women that go through postpartum. 
um, depression. So she's her business is she helps women. And she said, I want to make the devil pay. And there's so many women out there in the Christian, the Christian world that no one's talking about it. And she said, I want to be a voice to the women that feel um, like they that there's no one there for them in their corner. So that should be a shirt. I want to make the devil pay. I like that. I want to make the devil pay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. Oh, man. It's so good. So, Chris, um, tell us a little bit about uh, Compassion to Action. Um, sort of how that start, like, well, not how it started, but what it looked like initially in its inception and uh, what that looks like today. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. You know, we, we just started praying, you know, Todd, I didn't know fully what we are going to do. I just knew that we are an evangelistic ministry that is to train and equip the church, but also to reach the lost. And so we just prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed for the Lord for guidance. And then the Lord spoke and um, he showed me that we were to have an event and called Portland 2018 and uh, in Portland. And so it, it was an equipping event uh, where we, uh, it was our first event out. I don't recommend people to do this unless they really hear the word. But I felt the Lord say um, that we were to get a large venue. It's like a stadium seating style venue, um, stadium seating. And we were to train and equip people. And uh, we were to have speakers and bands and, and mobilize people to hit the streets of Portland. And so that's what happened in 2018. It was a complete miracle on how God provided. And uh, the folks that came through, we saw around 7,500 people um, you know, registered. And wow. um, we, we mobilized um, 5,000 people um, to preach the gospel on the streets in Portland. And um, this was in 2018. That's how we started in 2019 um, was a, was a year of infrastructure. It was a year of catching up. It was a year of, um, okay, Lord, what's, what's next. And um, I had a, a team move up from Redding, California with me. And so, you know, it was kind of like pouring into the team, can, uh, you know, finding out, Lord, what are you doing? It was, a, it was an uncomfortable year, Todd, extremely uncomfortable year. On December 7th, 2019, the Lord spoke to me, and he spoke to me that 2020 is going to be a year of courage. Don't shrink back in fear. And um, when 2020 came around um, in April of 2020, that's when the Lord said, okay, it was in the midst of pandemic. It was the midst of everything that was happening. Um, he said, now get a gospel truck and take it around the nation to preach the gospel. Now, it didn't make sense to raise a bunch of money um, in the midst of the pandemic, but that's what God said to do. And uh, I really encourage people, you got to hear what the Lord is saying. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of energy trying to do stuff that maybe the Lord's not on. But the Lord was on it. He reminded me in 2015, he gave me a vision of a mobile stage unit. And I wrote it down in my journal. I had totally forgotten about it. The Lord reminded me. And so um, we began to research, okay, what kind of stage should we get? You know, what kind of device should we get to take around the nation? And so my brother found out about Stage Line 100 that's based out of Canada. 
And um, so we ordered our stage. We raised the money and uh, we ordered the stage. And in 2021, we took it around the nation. I think we did 32 events um, with our mobile stage, preaching the gospel open air and seeing people get saved, healed and delivered and plugged into the church. And um, and the end of 2021, the Lord spoke to me. Okay, 2022, you're going to get a small mini truck, and it's a smaller version for neighborhoods. And we had people that heard our vision, got behind it, and so we got that. And then we did an event every single weekend um, this last summer in um, rougher areas in in Vancouver and Portland, Oregon. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. It's training, equipping, mobilization for evangelism. And uh, the next 10 years, our vision is we want to have um, a mini gospel truck in every state of America. That's our vision. Come so on. they have hubs in every state of America and uh, raising up young people to preach the gospel. Uh, amen. That's exciting as. Um, speaking of, of events, too, you were talking about events earlier. Uh, Stockholm, was that Awakening Europe? That was with Ben. Yeah. I, I mentored Ben years ago. He was one of my interns and that was Stockholm. Yeah. That was Awakening Europe in oh, Stockholm. Awakening. Yeah. Awake. You, you know, I was at that event actually, and uh, Heidi Baker spoke and I got racked when she spoke, dude, I, I couldn't speak for four hours after that. I walked around wow. with my hand on my heart weeping for hours after she spoke. So that was such a, that actually was a life-changing event for me. It, it was a life-changing event for me as well. I mean, I, I was so honored. Then had me speak in Reinhardt's spot. Um, I believe it was a Saturday night. I gave the, I gave the altar call and, um, and uh, just so thankful for, for what the Lord did. That was a pivotal, it was just a um, pivotal, 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 um, you know, moment for me. And, um, and God, God repositioned us and, um, and redirected us. And he spoke to me while in awakening. Yeah, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, I, I remember that now. And uh, th- this was r- relatively early in my Christian journey. And, and after this, I started, you know, listening to some of your stuff and uh, Heidi Baker and sort of discovering all these people and just hungry, right? Just, it, it just really exploded my hunger for the Lord. It was really quite a kickstart to, for me. It really was for so many people. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really good what, what, what you're doing and, and your hopes of, of getting all throughout the U.S., right? Because it's there's so many people that, that need that either need that kickstart or just need to be introduced to him because there's so much else going on in the background to distract us and, and keep us away from all that. Absolutely. So many, so many things that, that have nothing to do with eternity. Yeah. Well, man, I really uh, encourage and, and we'll just pray for, for that initiative for you and your ministry. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, family now, how many, how many kids do you have now? We got two, we got two little girls. We've got Brielle and then we've got Jubilee. So Jubilee is a year and a half and Brielle is seven years old now. Oh, fun and, times. Um, yeah. Time flies. <laughs> it does. It's fun. Eh? Just gifts, just gifts. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm an old dad. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 45. We got this little, little year and a half year old. It's, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm just so, so thankful for what God is doing. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Chris, I know, uh, I know you got a, you got to run, you got lots of stuff going on today. You got to travel again. You got to jump on a plane. Do you? I jump on a plane, um, tomorrow. I've got a, I've got a meeting, um, shortly later, right after this. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I really appreciate your time. Um, I, I wish I had another hour to chat with you, bro. I'd probably be, I'd probably be weeping and hearing all your stories and really struck. We can catch up another time as well. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, but Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a final question here and let you on your way. Um, you talked about Mike in, uh, when you were in the County jail, uh, who spoke to you and, and, I always love it when somebody shares Jesus to somebody and they say, I don't, don't talk, even talk to me about it. I don't want to hear it. I love it. Cause it's almost like, well, whether they speak or not, you're going to hear it. Right. But, yeah. um, if you were cruising through a town and, and one of your initiatives and, uh, you know, you do your event or whatever, and your events over and you're just by yourself and you, uh, I don't know, man, you stop at a store to pick up a, a drink or something and you run into a kid that was your age that you know that I don't know, either you witnessed them do a crime or something and you know that they're going down a dark road and you were on your way to the airport. So the pressure's on man, what would you say to this kid? Well, I would say, uh, first of all, I'd greet him. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Let him speak a little bit. And then I'd say you, you, I just turn him to Christ, point him directly to Christ and, uh, and his need for Jesus. And, um, you know, if I have a relationship with him, I'll talk with him like I have a relationship with him. And if I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll just share the truth, but I'll share it in a different way. You know, when you have a relationship with someone, you can, you know, you can, you know, you put your arm around them. You can like, come on, man, you know, what's going on, you know? And, um, so I would interact with them and I was the chaplain at juvenile hall in Redding, California for 15 years, um, as well. So I did have a lot of those situations where I'd see young people and I would just, I would pour into them and then they wouldn't do good. And I said, come on, man, we got to get back on track. You know what you need to do. You know, the grace of God, the blood of Jesus never dried up. Put your hand into his hand. Let's go. And uh, how can I help you? I'm here for you. And so, but if I'm in a city, I'm going to share the gospel with them. And I'm going to, I'm going to point them to Jesus. I may never see them again, but I can plant a seed. And one waters, one sows, another reaps. And I just have to be aware, okay, am I watering, am I sowing, or am I reaping in this moment? Amen. That's great, man. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today, bro. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it, man. Let's do this again. Uh I'd love it, man. Be blessed, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a, what a powerful story from being in prison and not wanting to hear the word and someone who would actually take their time and pace back and forth, back and forth, praying, praying for the one that said, don't talk to me about that. When he gets into your heart and you know how real he is, you just want to share. You have to share. You want to share that joy because Jesus came to set you free 